Welcome to Finding Emo, our podcast where we discuss our favorite albums from the early aughts and thereabouts. I'm Blake Fisher. I'm joined by Chris Monier and Kyle Simmons, and uh, we are thankful that you joined us. Thanks for being here. And uh, today's episode is unofficially sponsored by Jimmy World's Phoenix Sessions. Not because they're paying us any money, but because we're an emo podcast and they're doing these cool concerts where they're doing three albums in their entirety, and they just did Surviving this past weekend, but they're doing Futures and Clarity coming up. So you should buy tickets for that. If you like this podcast, you probably like Jimmy Eat World, and yeah. uh, it's very cool. The Surviving one was awesome. So uh, that's that. Um, obviously, we would love it if you give us reviews, if you subscribe to the podcast. That is always fantastic. But I do not have – actually, no. I do have a good reason that you should uh, do that, by the way. Little known fact. This just came to my attention. My attention is that uh, it's really important. You have to – if you want to get the COVID vaccine, okay, <laughs> you have to – This is it's really – like CDC came out, really specific guidelines. If you don't do it right, you don't have the immunity. Okay, you've got to take the first dose – it's also very important that you take a selfie and post it on some social media. Okay. You've right. got to show yourself getting with the band aid and I got my COVID dose. Okay. That's step one. Step two is you have to rate and review our podcast mm-hmm. five stars. Step three is you have to get that second dose a month later. You don't have to take the social media picture on the second dose. You've already yes. done that part on the first dose. Yeah. And then Taking you've got the immunity. Too. Okay. Nice. So important. Important steps to remember. I have this like I have this like funny picture in my head of the director of the CDC coming out with all the flashbulbs snapping and like his like uh, his deputy director putting the Finding Emo logo on a on a, <laughs> right. on a, a stand behind him <laughs> on like, a chart, yeah, tapping it. <laughs> yes. Hey, look, most people I don't are make... missing this third step. This is key. You just have to follow the science, okay, guys? That's all I'm saying. Follow okay. Uh, today we are doing. Uh, Fall Out Boy's debut album, uh, which is called uh, Take This to Your Grave. And uh, Chris Monier is going to tell us about that album. My goodness. Uh, we've got some albums that we've done where they were hard to research. This one was not. There's a <laughs> lot of information on the internet about Take This to Your Grave. And Fall Out Boy um, in general. Yes. I mean, There's I know they're a monstrous band. I mean, they're you know, probably only, as far as punk bands, it's like Green Day. Blink One Eight Two, Fallout Boy. I still think of them as that little band, though. Like they're not touring in their Dodge Dodge van with no. the, you know. I I know they're not, but like I, I I those are the moments I picture was when they were just getting started. Anyway, which so is this during record, this album, to be fair. Oh yeah, no, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, this this album was um it was released May six two thousand three, uh, two days after me and Kyle's twenty first birthday. Mm-hmm. So we were. Definitely, we we partied hard from day one for after our twenty birthday, twenty first birthday. Yep, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not true. I had like one drink at midnight, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was gin." I, I I remember it was gin. That's not a what good a first way to start. I think Blake. I think Blake. <laughs> oh, I was there. I took Cabana. care of you. I took care. It was at the Blue Note. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <that laughs> birthday at the night. Blue Note. Anyway, Kyle, we should have invited Kyle. That, that, we didn't know he had the same birthday at the time. I don't know how. Crazy. Should have been there. That's funny. Um, so the, the album was created, uh, sorry, it was produced by Sean O'Keefe. Um, it was um, recorded at Butch Vig's Smart Studios um, in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, really cool. So these guys, uh, they were technically kind of already signed by Island Records. Um, this was one of the first incubator deals that started to happen a lot after you know in this era but they were kind of the first one so island records 
basically wanted to sign him, but wanted, I, I guess it, it seems obvious that they, they wanted this band to have a little like street cred, right? So they, yeah. they found this small upcoming label later to be huge, Fueled by Ramen, and said, you know, we're going to put put it out under under Fueled by Ramen, see how, how these guys do. They had like a $40,000 budget, but they still managed to record the whole thing for like half that, 18 grand. So, uh, you know, they got it done. Um these guys met, um, they were all in hardcore bands. This, uh, you know, Fall Boys was kind of a side project, a pop punk side project. But, um, as this record was being developed, um, you know, all the guys were starting to get, I guess they were kind of getting into it, especially like Wentz was kind of, uh, known to, to, to weave in and out of, of how serious he was with this band. But w- while they were working on this record, he was getting, uh, Pete Wentz was getting very serious about this record. Um, especially when it came to the lyric writing, um, because uh, Patrick Stump originally had been writing the lyrics for these songs, and it, I guess Pete didn't feel he was taking it seriously enough. And and Patrick Stump's even you know on record as saying like I, I never took the lyrics as serious as Pete did. I was more concerned with the melody, you know, kind of the Beatles style of writing. We've talked about these different methods of of writing yeah. these bands too. So he he was concerned about melody, alliteration, you know, just how the words sounded, less about like the actual words themselves. Um, so when Pete steps in and starts working on the lyrics, that's how you get this, that that's the Fall Out Boy dynamic right there. The oh, yeah. really wordy songs and the, the kind of, uh, Elton John phenomena where the lyrics don't seem to quite fit with the melody, but they just kind of make it work. Um, and that's, that's, you know, them fighting about that basically is, is what created some of the great, uh, great songs on this record. Um, apparently, um, they were kind of going for uh, a, a seamless from song to song kind of uh, vibe, like saves the days through being cool. They thought that was, um, you know, the perfect, perfect kind of record. Um, and there was one other note that, um, uh, Oh, well, you know, when the album came out, um, uh, folks reviewing it, just kind of some, some really liked it. Some kind of wrote it off. Rolling Stone said it was just run in the mill, run of the mill. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, they also didn't like Pinkerton, famously, yeah, exactly. so right. they probably take that one back. Yeah, Rolling um, Stone, those guys are idiots. But even even you know even as simple of a of a pop punk record as this is, when you really listen to it and start peeling back the layers, like there's a lot going on, and and you can tell that there was a lot of hard work being done to make this record, even as a pop punk record. Um, yeah. O'Keefe O'Keefe even comments. He said they would go through like ten revisions for one song. I thought I was going to lose my mind with both those guys. Yeah, so. but here's my question about that whole timeline, because I read a lot of the same stuff, too, and I tried to find the sources that I actually put into Wikipedia and stuff. On the upstreaming thing, they claim, on Wikipedia, it claims it's the first kind, first deal of its kind like that, and I think, I couldn't find an earlier one than that, so yeah. I think they're right. I think they kind of, but I don't think Island actually signed them. I think, I looked into it a little bit more. I think Island said, we want to sign you. We've got this. Prelim- I, I bet they had like a. We'll give you forty thousand dollars. Okay, your like first a gentleman's record, agreement. And kind of we thing. get yeah. none. They just get right of first refusal. So basically, no other major label could sign them until Island passed on them. Would be my guess because you're absolutely right. I looked I into it, right. and they didn't sign them until they had sold like four hundred thousand copies of this record. That's when they were like, okay, <laughs> tell it was a lock. Cool. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was like we're gonna lock that in. But either way, that's a cool. It's it's crazy to me that that hadn't happened before because yeah. I guess. Really, I'm and I'm getting now that I think about it, the reason why it probably hadn't happened is because the indies didn't really there were no indies like start of the 2000s is the rise of these indies, you know what I mean? Like, that's when you get these other small, you know, small enough indies that like 
but they have enough presence that they're actually selling records and stuff, you know, but there weren't all these, you know, indies running around at, uh, at the time. And so anyway, so it worked out very well for fallout boy, obviously. I, I was actually under the impression that, um, and I could be totally wrong on this, but I believe I've heard that like, that's even what fueled by ramen was like, it's this, yes, Fueled by Ramen is a very old label and at one time even like just a punk rock label. But it became this subsidiary that like, oh, this is a real independent band. This is a punk rock band. And it became, but it really wasn't anymore. It was the subsidiary that they took these polished bands that need a little street cred and put them out through Fueled by Ramen um, with these bigger budgets. Like, I guess... I don't know how to word it. Maybe like, and it's no longer this independent label. It's a front for an independent label. You know what I mean? Sort of. Some of them were actually bought by, so like, uh, I know Vagrant was bought by Interscope, but only 49% of Vagrant. So Vagrant still had all the control. Interscope couldn't tell them what to do and what not to do necessarily, but it was like, obviously the only label that was going to get like, these right. kind of deals where like, obviously if, I, if Interscope at that point wanted to sign someone, I think it was Interscope that bought Vagrant Interscope doesn't even. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but you know, they would obviously put them on that label first and they're still doing that to a degree. I mean, sure. I think they did that with the 1975. It was the well, same thing. Well, and that's what, yeah, that's so. what I'm getting at. So like you have this, then right after you have panic at the disco, you have Paramore yep. and it's like, yep. and then it's to the point now where, okay, that first, um, 21 pilots record. And you're like, okay, like this, yeah. listen to how but this record sounds. The These by Ramen, it wasn't exclusive though, because yeah. Paramore ends up on Warner. That's and, true. That's uh, true. And Island is obviously fallout boy. And so they were using, I mean, think, I mean, fueled by ramen was a legitimate incubator, except the upside was you like, I'm, I'm sure that Island gave that 40 grand. You know what I mean? I, right. I guarantee that was them and that was all they, and maybe they didn't even recoup it. Maybe they literally just said like, Hey, we'll give you the budget of the record. Cause it sounds like they already done three songs. Yeah. So they had to just do the rest of it. And I, okay. Am I, did I read that it's seven days that they do the rest of the record? Yeah. In? Yeah. No, it, it was done really quick. That kind of surprised me too. They talk about how much they fight. I'm like, you guys didn't really have a lot of time to fight. That's Were they on cocaine <laughs> or something? How do you finish no, that whole record in seven edge, days? I know that's what it's like. What I couldn't. I'm just saying we spent nine days doing a five song EP, Chris. Yeah, no, but the, the I mean, they're pretty. The, the the musicianship's really good on here. I I, I don't know. There there's some. I I found some different takes on that, but you know, like I never saw it just where I never saw it stated in a way that made me like truly believe it. Um, yeah, I feel like that seven day thing has got to be wrong. That just seems because, so yeah. freaking fast. Yeah, but anyway, that's seven that's the one thing songs I... in nine days. So seven songs in nine days. So that so okay. maybe part of the album got done quickly, but then the rest was created. Yeah, okay. That's not, that that feels more okay. So maybe that's what yeah. it is: is that a bulk of it got done? In yeah. Nine. But either way, that's impressive, and I kind of like when albums kind of do these. I feel like there's a uh, you kind of capture a feeling and a time and place when you yep. have a you're constrained a little bit. Uh, I feel like. People make good records in two weeks sometimes. Now you got to make you got to make decisions. So you, you just you're like, all right, go with it. Or yeah, and, uh, yeah. It didn't sound like even when nine days it didn't sound like they they slept a lot. There's probably part of the right. reason they were arguing and, and fighting to be is they were exhausted. Under budget by half is like also pretty impressive. You know, that's uh, yeah. also not not heard of very often. Pretty cool. 
Uh, any other fun fun uh, facts about the record that you found? I mean, in your you're right. It's like there's no shortage of uh, information on Fall Out Boy. Yeah, on the internet. you know, I, I the other interesting thing. I don't know if there's a better time to bring this up, but uh, you know, the artwork. I I didn't really do any anything for me when I first saw it. I, I, but I do remember thinking it interesting that the band was on the cover. <clears throat> um, but I guess it's, it, that was the second version of their artwork. The first version was Pete Wentz's girlfriend. I'll, I'll send it to you, Blake, so you can yep. put it in the notes. Have you seen this? Like she's like, I have, asleep. Yeah. and they took this picture and there's like all these other band posters and all this cool stuff. And the label's like, we can't possibly put this on record shelves guys we, we would have to clear yeah. this with like a thousand like it's so funny they did it's like almost cute like you guys didn't realize like you can't just put like a share poster on your album cover <laughs> that's pretty funny yeah i mean I, <laughs> we just have to like photoshop I mean, everything Pete's in the background dad is a lawyer <laughs> you know? not a copyright lawyer i guarantee Apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> not a copyright lawyer uh, that's interesting. I knew they had original artwork. I didn't know it was because of that. That's pretty fantastic. Yeah, and they and the photo that they used for the cover is the last photo they took of the photo shoot of the night, the very last one. Um, and you can kind of like when you see it, they just kind of look like they're chilling out and they're tired and they're over it. They did that. Yeah, over it. They did that kind of blue hue. Like uh, I guess that was a callback to like some of the jazz records of the sixties and seventies that oh, had yeah. that hue. Um, and you know, Pete was a big mainstay in the hardcore scene in Chicago. Um, obviously, Pete was always like kind of the star of the band, but he 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 wanted to make sure that folks knew that this band was about these four guys together. That's why all four of their names are on the front of the record. Can I? Uh, I like the band on the front cover. You I don't do see too. it enough. I do too. Yeah, I like it, and I like the names on the cover too. The the guys' names. It's like, hey, these are the people that made this record. It's just like right there. It's cool. It's pure. I like it. Kyle, what were you gonna say? Well, I've. I've got feelings, and I'm. I I'll keep. I'll. I wanted to wait. Are we going? Can we bump into no, first let's go impressions? Into first, let's go. Yeah, and, first impressions. And may I Kyle, share my feelings? So by, by I, all means. I do like that the band is on the cover, but I remember from the moment this started, like thinking, who the hell does Pete Wentz <laughs> think he is? Like, like even just reading that, like it was so important that everyone was on the cover and all their names was were on it. Like, it just sounds so pretentious to me. Like, read the names. His name is first. Why? It's not <laughs> alphabetical. It's not in the order of the people that are sitting. Like, who cares that Pete Wentz is in Fallout Boy? And I re- even remember being pissed off that it was like, every single article I read about this band was like, Pete Wentz, he writes the songs, you know, he writes the lyrics. Like, I don't care. Like, show me another band that that's a thing. Like, hey, I'm Mark Hoppus. I write the songs for Blink-182. Like, it, it just, it was so off-putting for me. And I'm saying all this, and I'm showing my frustration to, like, and I can also tell you and anybody listening, like, I'm actually a huge Fall Out Boy fan. And, like, I have followed, the, I have followed their entire career, even currently, and I love all of their stuff. But it took me a long time to get into this band because that was so off-putting to me. Like it didn't, it didn't make sense to me that like it felt so boy bandish that here's this dude, <laughs> like Pete Wentz is the head of this group. Why? Who cares? I don't care. Well, about but here Pete I'm Wentz. gonna here's here's my defense of Pete Wentz yeah. is that it, he the Wentz was, defense, the Wentz defense, the Wentz defense. Uh, I call to the stand um, in defense of Wentz. Okay, here's here's where I uh, I understand. I think Pete was the first 
you know, every band has to have a guy that is the the face of the band. It's just how it works. It does. It's always been that way. No one ever cares about all four guys. They care about one guy. And it sounds like Patrick had no desire to be that person. Yeah. And so Pete became that guy that would do the interviews and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Chris and I can kind of understand because we were also in a band with a lead singer that had no interest in doing that stuff. He wanted to, like, write songs and make music and play music, but he didn't want to, like, you know, doing an interview or something like that was not up his alley or whatever. So Chris and I were kind of like that, except that we were never like, you know, I write the lyrics. <laughs> I don't know. I guess and that's, and that, right. that part so weird to me. That part's kind of weird, but I guess that was also a unique, situation like like i can't think of another band off the top of my head other than like you mentioned uh you know elton john bernie Toppin kind of situation where it's like one guy's doing all the melody stuff and another guy's doing all the lyrics like i don't think i'd seen that certainly not seen that kind of partnership in like punk rock of like a this is an all the time thing it's not like oh pete writes some songs and and patrick writes some songs it was like you know he was making all the music and Pete Wentz was writing all the lyrics and they were smashing them together to make these. I don't, I don't disagree with you. I just think it's so weird. Like, so every other band in the world that just goes unspoken, you like, you you mention it because you're different. Like, I don't get that. It's just so weird. Do you think it makes me think it's one of those things where the labels, like we have to have a reason that Pete's the guy that talks to people all the time. I mean, he's handsome, right? He's a handsome dude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, He's easy on the eyes. There's no doubt about that. It, it, I it, I'll it just, I mean, weird. I just wanted to get that off my chest guys, because the That's fact okay. is like, it, it was, it was off putting to me. Every single well, article I read about them mentioned yeah. it and it was just like, what is going on? No, but that's on? why, that's why I think it was like the label pushing that because if every article mentions it, it's because that's, that's what they want. Yeah, that's list true. Of things that say, it's like the same thing that happened when this is such an obscure reference, but it's the thing that drove Chris crazy all the time is how they would talk about Jewel uh, in the nineties about how she was homeless. But like, and, she and was it, like, us. she was living yodeler. in a van cause she was in two on tour. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're homeless because you're living in a van and you're on tour. We all have done that. Yep. But like her yeah. label pushed that nerve and everyone was like, Oh my God, she was, you know, it was homeless. like, <laughs> it's like, Oh, this is amazing. In Alaska? What an amazing, <laughs> what an amazing story. Wasn't she cold? <laughs> but they, and they just, why does the media just, have a high pitched voice? I don't know. Sorry. They just buy it hook, line and sinker or whatever. It's like whatever you throw out there. And so I think this is kind of one of those things that became the narrative. And so it became the thing that everyone well, talked about all the time. I accept your defense of Wentz, but I just, I will say that it was off putting for a long time for me. Like this, That's okay. and it felt, it felt gimmicky and, and like in mm-hmm. a boy band way, you know, like, so anyway, that's my so first what were impression. your impression of like the album? So Did you have a first impression of the album? Yeah, and like we can get through it, we can get more into it obviously in track by track, but I will say I don't know if you guys remember when we did based on a true story by the starting line, it said that uh Fallout Boy took that album to O'Keefe and said, This is what we want to sound like, right? And I I personally think the front part of the record, uh that that feels about right. And wait, so, hold on. Our timelines are not right. You're saying who took what record to where? Fallout Boy <laughs> took Starting Lines record to their producer and said, "We want our record to sound like this." Their second one? Yes. It it came out after that, didn't it? I don't think so. Uh, I we got to look that up now. Hold on. <laughs> Time out, guys. We don't- 
we don't have a like a ESPN style fact checker in real time. No, we so really need someone. To, no, yeah, that that album came out two years after this record, so you've got to have something wrong there. No, well, I think no, well, I know. Oh, what you're say it about. like you mean it. Wasn't, it. Yeah, it was okay. No, it wasn't that. It was that I thought they took it was newfound glory. I thought it was Fall Out Boy took the the uh, uh, self titled newfound glory. That's right. Record. That's right. Neil Abron. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. That Crossing was a live fact check. So the right. Yep. So the right. okay, live fact check. Yeah. So okay. That being said. <laughs> Then I think at the beginning of this record, I was like, man, I've already got starting line. Who is better at being the starting line than Fallout Boy? <laughs> um, as the record progresses, it gets better for me. Yeah. And also, uh, as this band matures, they get better for me. Like, I mean, I oh. I sound like I'm being the biggest hater. I love no, no, Fallout it's Boy. It's fine. It was no, just they, these yeah, were my first we impressions. We're not yeah, mad at you. Pete you guys, you guys know you. I'm not a hater. Pete Wentz. Uh, Head lyricist might might dispute your feelings. <laughs> Chris, what were your opinions uh, or first impressions of the record? I don't know how I got remember. my hands on this thing, but there was a sampler. I don't know if it was like an alternative press. Somehow I got my hands on a sampler with one less than Jake song and two Fall Out Boy songs. Yep. Had the same picture. You remember that? Kyle? Yep, I do. I think it was an alternative I, yeah. press. Which is so crazy because you're talking about the Pete Wentz thing now. When I heard that record, or the sampler, like it was just... Uh, that Saturday song and his voice, mm-hmm. I was like, I've never heard these concepts combined. I, I his voice is amazing. Like, yeah. what? Who would have thought to have such a soulful singer on a punk rock record? And so, so I kind of did the same dance you did. Like, after already like really liking Patrick and the way he sang and and that their songs and buying the record, and then I, I didn't give it crap about the bass player. I mean, I didn't even know like it didn't even matter to me. <laughs> like, right. I was like, no, Patrick sings great. That's the best part of the band. And then you're right. Yeah. Then this whole song and dance with Pete Wentz starts. I was like, oh yeah, I guess he's in the band. That's cool. Like I didn't um I didn't really notice the bass playing too much, you know, and notice the amazing lead singer and the fantastic drumming of Andy Hurley. Um but yeah, no, I I, I really liked his his singing right from the get go. Um and the band was uh you know a voraciously touring band. They were caught on the road constantly in that, those first years. I mean, you could, you could catch them like once a month in the Midwest. If you just were willing to drive five hours. Well, it helps so, to live in Chicago. You're kind yeah, of in the middle. They, oh, that's right. Right. That's a good point. You guys, um, so, you guys played with them, right? When they, isn't that true? Chris did. That's what yeah, I was going to yeah. say. Because at a bowling alley. <laughs> that's what we I played thought. with them at the ranch bowl in Omaha. We played with them at the Axion in Houston um and pete hung off the rafters there yep so okay so i have this memory of you talking to me about playing with them chris and some girl <laughs> i already dislike i already dislike the whole fallout boy thing <laughs> and the hype around him and some girl is like oh my gosh pete licked his base <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and i was just like what is going on like, i know what? no it was always like that with them it was always like dude we've done i i was always like i've seen a million people do a million things that these guys do and something <laughs> about the way they did it just made it stick different yeah you know what i mean yeah they did this did. so many times where it was like did you see what fall? like dude i've seen a million bands do that like it wasn't that cool but for some reason when they did it, it was so cool I'm not saying I thought it was so cool. I'm just saying like people thought it was cool. No, everyone loved it. Millions and millions and millions of people. They were were eating it, eating it up. Uh, What did you think, Blake? 
Well, okay, so here's what's weird. I cannot remember when I got this record, and so I was like, well, let me look in iTunes and see what my import date is, but it's 2005, which I know is not real. I know I had this record before From Under the Cork Tree came out, because I remember getting that, like, right when it came out. So, I cannot remember. I mean, it has to be someone, I, but I, I remember having it, I remember liking it, but I don't remember, you know, norm, most of these other ones, I was like, oh yeah, I remember picking that up and at this, at this record store, or I remember this person told me I had to listen to it. I really cannot remember where Fall Out Boy came on a radar, but it was before the next record that came out. So, Blake, how, um, how early, how early do you think, like what year do you think you filled in for me on a, on a little stint in New Mexico? Like how early? Uh, that was at least two thousand seven. Okay, so it was. It wasn't. It couldn't have been earlier. No, I don't think so because I. Yeah, I'm. I'm almost for sure that was like two thousand seven when that happened. Because I, 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 I begrudgingly picked this up in Albuquerque. <laughs> I was okay. like, you know what? I can't ignore it. Everybody's talking about how yeah. amazing it is, and I wondered if I wondered if you were there. So. That's I funny. do. I do remember being like. I something that makes sense now that didn't then I didn't know that they were all in hardcore bands. I had never listened mm. to hardcore bands at that point. Yeah. And so all of the hardcore influences just threw me off in a major way. Cause you'd it's be weird. like in the yeah. middle of this straight pop song, essentially pop punk song. And then there'd be this screaming. And at the time, what it felt like to me was like, Oh, they're trying to be cool. Like all these other stupid bands that scream, these screamo bands now. But I mean, I, I now realize they were all influenced by something that came before that and had influenced screamo bands or whatever. And so I didn't like that. I thought they were trying to like jump on some trend. And really what I realized is like, oh, no, that was more of who they really were right. than um, true influence. So now, right? so now I understand Now I still don't like that kind of stuff. It's not my cup of tea, uh, but I now at least go, oh, uh, OK, they weren't. I see what you're doing here. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they were trying to jump on a trend and it felt gimmicky to me. And now I realize I'm like, oh no, they weren't. That's, that's something they really wanted to do. And, and so, um, that was the one thing that I was just like, I do not know what's happening here. Um, but other than that, I mean, as Chris kind of said, you're like, like, holy crap, this thing's like a million miles an hour. And it's, uh, like all the melodies are great. And, um, they certainly, you're right, did nothing crazily different than what had come before it, but just enough that it was the thing that stuck. And yep. I feel like they're kind of one of those bands that it could have been anyone. That I'm not detracting from that. Like, obviously, they've got a lot of talent. They, The two of them together really do have something special there as far as writing songs together. But, the, but that factor take that factor out. The rest of it could have been anyone, you know, as far as like, there was nothing like outlandish about what they were doing. It wasn't so different from other pop punk stuff. It wasn't like, you know, and they were like atrocious live. Cause they cared only about looking awesome playing live. I mean, you know, they were jumping around and like putting on a show, but it wasn't licking about their base, licking their base or whatever. <laughs> they, they weren't great, uh, live or whatever, but yeah, but I mean, they're, I thought they were great, but they were one of those bands that I never, well, not never saw live. I never saw live in a concert setting. I saw them on Letterman, oddly enough. I was at a taping that they were playing, um, but but I never had the desire to because I'd kind of seen them on those kind of things and been like, I don't want to go pay money to see that. I, the records are awesome, and I'll stick with those. But 
maybe that was an unfair, uh, that's maybe unfair of me considering I didn't go to a show <laughs> to actually judge him, but I never heard anyone be like, no, they're phenomenal. <laughs> you gotta no, go. No, it, no, it, I think Andy was probably special. great. And the rest of it was kind of like, cause yeah, I don't just... think Pete Wentz was like some phenomenal bass player. I think he was a guy playing bass in a band that, but anyway, no, um, I, 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 I I thought about asking this question, but it, I, I, there's a very like chicken versus egg kind of situation with them. Cause like they go in to have this illustrious career and make all this great music, but it all starts with this band that they were kind of doing as a side project for their hardcore bands. And, and you're right. They weren't that great live. And it makes you wonder like the, the whole career is based on that idea that you said, Blake, which is like, they just kind of were the right place, at the right time, the right guys talking to the right label could have really been anybody. Um, Do you think some of that is because <laughs> it was not, like the pressure was not on them because it was Always. a fun side project. I mean, don't you think Always. capturing that is the magic of music I, is that when you're thinking too hard about it, you can blow it. Yep. Yep. There's a Rick and Morty episode about that, right? The, with the big heads in outer space. Yeah. It talks about like how, yeah, if you think too hard about it, it's just got to happen organically. So the show me what you got. Yeah. Show, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you're right. Show me what you we, got. We, all three of us are songwriters. I'm sure we can all relate. Like probably, some of the funnest, greatest songs I wrote, I, it was when I like was not really thinking about it that hard. Sure. And when I was trying really hard to impress people, I made the worst god-awful crap in the world. <laughs> it's never Yeah, fails. so I think there's a lot to say about that. And you, you mm-hmm. hear about that happening with other bands, too, where it's like it's a side project. It's like this fun thing they're doing. And because it's just some fun thing they're doing, it ends up being way cooler because they're not like stressing about every decision. Right. Like... I'm going to guess if you are like an all in pop punk band, you have decisions on that record where you're like, Oh, I don't know. Should we do this? Should we not do this? But when you're a hardcore band or you're all hardcore guys in a pop punk band, you kind of go like, Oh, well, what would we do in pop punk? And you can have fun with it. And there's no, no pressure. So I think that comes through on the record. And I think that's probably the spark that attracted people to it is that it was like, you know, fun. Mm-hmm. because they were probably having a lot of fun doing it. Um, so I think that's probably the thing that really, maybe maybe that's where all the mojo was, was in that. I guess so. I think there's something to be said about that. So uh, any other thoughts on kind of first impression stuff, or shall we go into the track by track? Let's do it. All right, so we will start with track one. By the way, I can't even fit these titles into the application I run these clips on because they're <laughs> so freaking long. So uh, the first one is... Tell that Mick he just made my list of things to do today. All right, Chris, thoughts on, I'm not even going to say that whole title again, uh, thoughts on the first track. Dude, they come out swinging for sure. Um, got the Conley vibes right off the bat with the, uh, uh, you know, let's play this game. Uh, I wouldn't piss on you to put you out. Great, great clip, by the way, Blake. Um, stop burning bridges, drive off them. So yeah. many angry people in this 
in this genre in this era that you got so you almost got so used to these crazy lyrics that like when you read them as an adult with children <laughs> yeah, you're like no. oh my <laughs> that is awful <laughs> yeah, they are, it's the same thing we talked about with saves the day it's like they're shockingly violent when you read them and at the time you're just like bopping along because they're such great melodies and uh that juxtaposition is awesome and i love it and i, I um <laughs> But it's, you're right. It is like wow. Uh, and and I think these guys did a better job than anyone else at being like, r- like really cutting on some of that stuff. Like some of it was just like, like mean. But like follow up, like Pete Wentz, if he's got a superpower, it's like being mean but clever and funny at the same time. And and I, it's not my cup of tea for lyrics necessarily. Like it's not the kind of lyrics that I would like. I've never been a lyric guy anyway. But, um. But I do kind of love it in this case. It's kind of like, ooh, like that's just <laughs> that's just mean enough that it makes me yeah. that makes me laugh at the same time. That's that's where I want to be as far as uh, paying attention to this kind of stuff. Kyle, what are your thoughts on the first track? So uh, this may foreshadow uh, later on, but I want to say that this is the one that distinctly, like I remember popping it in. I didn't want to like these guys. I was like, okay, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, arms crossed. <laughs> yeah. And and here's the thing. Like at the time I was like, eh, I you know, like I, I don't need the poor man's starting line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, now I listen to it and it rips. It's awesome. You know, like it, it's yeah. it's a great tune and it's a great start. It's a great uh opening track. But like I remember it not being the greatest introduction for me to the band because I do think that like even now when I listen to it, I feel like Patrick just kind of starts to warm up in the next few tracks to where we kind of see his vocal range as being bigger than a lot of those other guys in this genre. So, oh, for sure. He's a better singer than most pop punk yeah, singers. Totally. Like, like way beyond. Most did, I, did, did we talk about the fact that he was originally the drummer? Oh no, no, we didn't. Yeah, we did not. Yeah, yeah he was not so he, originally the singer. He does band. stuff. He's he's pretty talented. No, he's very talented. Yeah, uh, Soundgarden, Chris, lead singer, uh, Cornell, same yep. thing. Yeah. He was the original lead singer. These yeah. some of the best voices. Three in rock doors and roll. down, guys. <laughs> yeah, how did like? Yeah, how do you hide behind a like? Hey, we, uh, we you went from powerhouse to rock god. I mean, come on, let's keep it on the level. <laughs> You know I what's do. funny is someone tell me his name real quick. Oh, I can see his face. <laughs> yeah, because he looks like a frog. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we talking about? The lead singer of Three Doors Down. <laughs> oh, I, I have no idea who that guy is. He's froggy looking, dude. Yeah, no, he does he come to my face. door and yeah, knock on my door into my ring. I don't know. Like, Who is this? Like, I will you know, give you a hundred dollars right now if you can tell me his name. If there is a Finding Emo bingo card, one of them is obscure butt rock two thousands band mentioned, and that you can fill in that you square can cover right that now. Sp- it might as well be the free space. <laughs> it really might as well because somehow one of those bands gets brought up on every one of these. Uh, yeah, it's a great first track and uh, uh, really good melodies, and yeah, you're kind of like, oh wow, this is better as far as you're right vocalist. One downside to a lot of pop punk stuff is the vocalists are basically have to be produced pretty well mm. in the studio, and I yes. don't feel like he's that situation. Uh, it just you know seems like he does some pretty cool stuff. Let's go to track two, which is a much shorter title and might be the only title that actually has mm. these lyrics in the song, which is Dead on Arrival. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Chris, what are your thoughts on Dead on Arrival? When I hear this song, I think about the first time we played with them, and I remember Andy setting up for um, the show, and him and the uh, guitar tech were in a really bad fight. And if you, uh, we all know what Andy looks like. Andy's like a ripped guy, and like set that angry at somebody was a frightening experience for me. And I. <laughs> And he's like, uh, you know, like in these hardcore bands. And then when I hear this bouncy, catchy song, I just think of him like playing the drums. This song. It's like, it's so weird how these guys ended up in this situation. This is a great song. It's so freaking catchy. This is Side One Flip Me Over. Great line. Um, catchy as hell. Nice job. Good job, Fallout Boy. Uh, Brad, Ar- funny- Brad, Brad Arnold, by the way, is his name. The Three Doors Down singer. Oh, oh. You two, it up, two first right. names. Uh, hey, my only, I've got to tell my funny Andy story. I think I've told you guys this before, but that, that time that I'm in New York, it's over Christmas and I'm with my family and we've got, uh, tickets to go do Letterman show. I love Dave Letterman growing up and stuff. And we go to, we went to a movie for some reason one night and I'm like at this theater and I see this guy I know. And then like, I'm like, crap, I can't remember that guy's name. And I know I know him. And then it's like, we go into the same theater and I'm like, it, I got to figure out what is this guy's name? And like, right as I'm about to do the thing where I'm like, Hey, but I can't, you know, but I still don't know who you are, but I know I've got to say, I know it's him. It's Andy from fallout boy. I don't know him at all. (laughs) I just like recognized his face or something. And I was like, I'm so glad I didn't go like, I'm sorry. I can't remember your name. Like, (laughs) I knew him because I didn't. And it didn't like immediately when it hit me, it was like, Oh yeah. And then he was the guest on Letterman the next day when I was there, I was like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, anyway, that was my dumb story. I'm glad I didn't make an idiot of myself in front of Andy. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on dead on arrival? Oh, I mean, you, you dudes know how I feel about a chorus that bounces like that. There's, it does bounce. I mean, you can jump to that one. There's just no chance that, uh, that that's not bringing me in, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's a good song. Good second song. Uh, Again, we've got two songs that are really good in a row, and that's normally pretty, like, I can expect that. Good if you sign. can't do the first two songs, I'm not in. Yeah. So let's that's see how, what track three has on. That's how we did it. Uh, everyone had the first two two tracks were fine, but uh, you got to get to track three and see what's going to go on. Uh, so let's go to that. It's uh, Grand Theft Autumn, or Where's Your Boy? a gentleman maybe we'll find out I know you were the last good thing about this boy where is your boy tonight I hope he's a gentleman maybe we'll find out I know you were the last good thing I imagine you feel the same way Kyle about <laughs> <laughs> as you do I mean... about the bounce on the last song yeah, I mean, should I just go ahead and go? Is it, yeah, yeah, just I, go for so it. So definitely, and also I will say that like <laughs> at this point in the record, I had my arms tightly crossed, <laughs> and I was and I was you know just being a little brat. I wasn't gonna like this band. Yeah, and at yeah. this point in the record, 
you know, my arms are uncrossed and I'm doing the Carlton because like, it, <laughs> like you, I, I really feel like in this track and the next, like he really started to show off the difference between his voice and other other pop punk singers you know what i mean like he really starts to show you what he can do and uh i freaking like this was the one for me yes the first two tracks are great tracks and over time i've appreciated more but i specifically remember this one bringing me in so uh chris what are your thoughts on grand theft grand theft autumn yeah i I remember when i heard this song like you know after i heard the sampler first time i spun it through i was like oh I just I can picture all those like scene kids and I was like, they're going to eat this song for lunch <laughs> and breakfast and dinner and they're never going to stop singing that line and it's never going to stop. And everyone's going to talk about how clever it is to say Grand Theft Auto instead of Grand Theft Auto. And it's not that clever, but you yeah. know what? It worked. I liked it. <laughs> I, you know, I, this is one of those like songs that you like hated how yourself like for how much you liked it. Well, for me anyway, I was like, ah. and I, I, I sent, uh, I send Kyle and Blake this video all the time of the movie High Fidelity of Jack Black talking about the skater punks at the end. When If you've ever seen the movie yeah. and he's talking about the skater punks and he's like, well, how is it? How's the record? Noise? It's really freaking good. And that's exactly <laughs> how I felt when I heard the song. I was like, just like Kyle's like, God dang it. This is a perfect song. Yeah. I mean, I, so I'm obviously way more, I don't think I had any of the, I don't remember having any bad taste or like apprehension about liking fallout boy like you did Kyle. So I must've, I must've either had it earlier before the hype got crazy. And so I didn't notice. Um, but obviously I like pop stuff. I like melodies. And so this whole record is kind of dripping with melodies. So I probably wasn't even paying any attention to the lyrics or the fact that Pete Wentz had written them at the time. Uh, but certainly the melodies are great on these first three tracks. I mean, it's like, you're just going, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, this, yeah. And I really, honestly, had not listened to this record in a while, and I like as I listened to it again over the last couple of weeks, I was just like, geez, they, like, this is such a good debut record. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, it's not, it doesn't lack, like, a, some do, especially for it being not even just, like, <laughs> especially it's, like, a side project for them, essentially. Right. And it's produced really well. Lots of like layers of vocals. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously Sean O'Keefe goes on to do like a ton. He's basically like fueled by ramen and victories, like in-house producer guy. I mean, he basically did half of the catalogs of those two labels. So, um, I, I don't know if this is kind of the first one he does. I think it kind of is, but I, um, I, I think that like we benefit, this is an example of us benefiting from like, from the fact that these dudes all this was a side project that became bigger than than their other things right like they were in hardcore bands we benefit from it because they're just getting started on this record it's not the same as a band that like grinded it out and it was the only band they were in and like they give you everything they have on their first record and on <laughs> their second record they have nothing left you know like to give so and that just happens a lot anyway absolutely so, so yeah it's interesting, but yeah, three tracks in, I mean, I know that even now I go, gosh, that's like, most people would be lucky to have those three tracks on their yeah. record, Yep. period. And then those aren't even, were those even singles on this? Uh, two the of singles, them. yeah, two of them, the singles were 
Dead on Arrival, then Grand Theft Auto, and then Saturday. Okay, so two of them were. Okay, so they do stack the singles up front, but either way, it's kind of one of those things where you're just like, geez. Okay, so good job. So, okay, well, let's uh, let's go to Saturday then, That's uh, since we're, we're talking about it. Another short title, not often used by Fall Out Boy. My foot is in the door. Me and P in the wake of Saturday. Saturday. See, and that's a good clip example of like, I would think this song is perfect if they just got rid of the screaming. I'm just like, it doesn't need to be there. This is a freaking pop song. Lose it. And it always drove me nuts. And I always thought it was just them trying to be cool. I literally almost thought it was like the label or the producer being like, you know, you should be here some screams. Um, that's what Sean O'Keefe sounds like. I don't have any idea what he sounds or looks like, but that's his voice now. Um, and that kind of drove me crazy. But other than that, gosh, I mean, the falsetto at the end of when he goes to that, that's really like, oh, OK, there's some cool vocal stuff happening here. But I have a question. OK, so the line Pete and I attacked Lost Astoria and or me and Pete, either of that stuff. So Pete wrote these lyrics, but did he then did he write them from Patrick's point of view so that he could name drop himself? I think they collaborated on the lyrics. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. was just curious. So, no, no. The, yeah. The, the, so sometimes it was all Pete's lyrics and sometimes it was Pete injecting yeah. ideas and concept and into okay. Stump's lyrics. I think originally the songs were all Stump's lyrics. Okay. But then I know... After this record, right, it's all Pete. I think so. Well, yeah, right. Because yeah. I they read found, an interview. They found their, they found their groove. Yeah. I'm yeah, because sure. <laughs> I read an interview with Patrick when he did his solo thing, and he was like, Yeah, I haven't written lyrics in, you know, a decade or right. whatever. And so I haven't had to worry about it. And now all the pressure's on me. It's like I used to at least be able to like blame someone else. And now, now I've got to do everything. Uh, and so. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, I was just wondering. I wasn't going to be mad either way. I was just curious, like, if he was like, well, but Patrick's going to be singing it, so it could be me and Pete. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> thinking about probably overthinking that. Kyle, what were your thoughts on, on Saturday? Well, I would just like to throw out there, Blake, that Peter is quite the popular name, and so it's possible that he just had a friend named Pete. Shared the same name. Do you believe for a second that Pete Wentz <laughs> wouldn't put his own name in and have someone Not else sing it though? After knowing mm. everything you know about Pete Wentz, Say, sing my name. That's how he felt. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I could see like Patrick reading it for the first time, like looking over at Pete, and Pete's like, "Yeah," and he's like, oh, "I hate you so much." <laughs> <laughs> Chris, Chris, what are your thoughts on on the song? I don't think well, Kyle didn't get to really share his. Oh, well, I mean, oh, it, okay. listen, it's 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 a great song, and like at this point. I clearly knew that uh, that Patrick could just freaking sing, you know, uh, that's the vocal melody is killer. And I didn't mind the screams, but I think, you know, I, I think I I liked a little bit heavier music than you, Blake, at the time. And so, like, it True. didn't bother me. I will say that I remember thinking like this particular kind of scream was always weird to me because it sounds like a like when you've got this scream that's turned down really low, it's like, it kind of loses its screaminess, you know, like what, what's the point of a, of a, of a scream at the volume of a whisper, you know? 
We're going to put that oh, on a t-shirt. That was deep. I mean, it's just kind of weird. And so I remember thinking like, oh, this is strange. And like, but it didn't, It I didn't dislike it. You know what I mean? It was just like, this is kind of weird. Like, why it screams? Anyway. Yeah, which is why I kind of felt like, why even have them there? Like, yeah. They're barely okay. there in the mix. They annoy me. I don't feel like, <laughs> <laughs> mostly number two. Uh, but like, you know what I mean? Like, was any kid like, oh, okay, I'm into it now. There's some light screaming in the background. Maybe there was. I don't know. I just never liked it. I get that it's what they came from or whatever, and it's fine. I'm, don't, I'm not begrudging them. It's just something I personally don't like. And if you take it out, I'm like, yep, song's perfect. Yeah. But I don't know. Chris, what are your thoughts? Well, this was that first song I heard in that sampler. And I, yeah, man, I was like, dude, this guy can freaking sing. Yeah, he can Like, sing. there was no singing happening in punk rock. Uh, you know, that just like... They they were people that were, you know, what what is Will Ferrell saying? Elf like anyone can sing. You just you just told it. Out. That's kind of what like all punk rock singers were. It's like, oh, I guess I'm I'm the one that's gonna be singing. Okay, so I'll just hold the note out. I got it. And then this guy's like, sounds like he could have been on a freaking Motown record. Um, yeah, the, the, the song absolutely blew me away. And they usually played it last live, um, uh, at the, that when this record was out. And I you know I saw him a few times and. Uh, Screaming was not a whisper live. Pete went all out, like hanging from the rafters, like screaming his butt off on the on the end of it. So, and again, um, probably if I would have been there live, uh, I'd have been like, "Why stop it?" (laughs) So I wonder if the producer had a heavy hand. There was like, "Hey, you guys, we're just gonna turn this down just a little more. Just Just gonna pull down that fader. Don't worry about it. Yeah, just a little bit. All right, let's go to homesick at space camp." What are your thoughts on Homesick at Space Camp? Eh, decent song. Just definitely the, the mid-album sag <clears throat> begins with this one to me. I mean, it, it, it's a cool it's a cool song. The the drum fills on, on this song are absolutely incredible. Um and you know, the the metaphors and imagery of the of the chorus I, I, I dig and the background vocals on the chorus I dig. But yeah, it's just it this is definitely where, where we, we kinda like tucked away the songs we weren't as proud of. I in my opinion. Kyle. So, um, I, I kind of agree with my birthday buddy. I will say that, like, I think that this is one of those where I don't know if it was Pete, I don't know if it was Patrick, but I do think that the lyrics outshine the rest of the song. I, I think that, uh, tonight the headphones will deliver you the words that I can't say is a yeah, pretty I do like, that's a great lyric. solid line. And, good, um, good lyric. And so, yeah, but I mean, I do agree. I do agree with you, Chris. Like, you know, it's not as good, but I mean, they came out swinging so hard. So it's like, you're not <laughs> going to keep that up probably. And then if, when you don't, like, if it's not as, as good as the, what comes before, it's just kind of, you know, eh, I don't know. Take it or leave so, it. See, I, I like the song. I, I really like the middle section a lot, which brings up a good point about something that fallout boy, I think did do really well is, um, <clears throat> they kind of, in a lot of songs have this third section that's more than a bridge. And sometimes it's kind of like a second chorus. Yeah. But, 
And they do that really well. And this is a good example of a song they do that well. Whereas we talked about ta- taking back Sunday last episode and it like they do that second thing and never come back to the original chorus. They literally the the second sort of chorus or whatever is how it, the song ends. And at least Fall Out Boy had the wherewithal to be like, you know what we should do is sing the chorus again, though, even if we have this extended bridge. The thing about pop punk bands is that for the most part, if you're playing at that speed, your songs are going to be sub three minutes every time if you just go verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Like, they're two and a half, three minute songs or whatever. But they would add these whole, like, you know, 45 second bridges or like this whole third chorus or some sort of thing like that. But they still came back to the chorus at the end. And sometimes it was in a halftime kind of thing or something. But I think that's the thing. If they have a signature thing, it'd be that, um, that I think they did well is, um, you know, kind of that without abandoning the original one, like taking back something, just abandoned that cool chorus that you heard. It's gone. (laughs) At the one minute mark, you don't get to hear it at the end of the song. Uh, and I, I, I much prefer Fall Out Boy's, uh, method of doing so because I at least get to hear the, the chorus again. But, um, I, I do, I do like that, and I think that they they did a good job with that. So let's go to sending postcards from a plane crash. Wish you were here. That was one I wasn't supposed to fade. <laughs> Gotta start writing these notes down. Uh, anyway, uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on whatever the long title of this song is? Uh, Sending postcards. You know, this one's all right. I mean, it, I, I read that they that this was like a studio created song when it was kind of conceived entirely and created entirely in the studio. I think it kind of shows. It's a little bit of a little bit of a throwaway song, but. Um, but I really, really liked the bridge on this song, and you you played that part, and I I thought the bridge was was uh is the best part of the song, and we also get a little more stump falsetto, which I, I dig upon. I'm into it. I really love the 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 line the I will sever the ties, sever the tie with you. I I think that works so well on a lyric and the way it fits in the the song right there. And this is where I'm always curious, like was that melody already there, and Pete writes the lyrics that fit it, or is it like Pete had that lyric and Patrick made it fit. I'm just always curious because it, it feels like so perfect there. And I just, that dynamic is always weird to me just because I've never written like that with someone where it's like yeah. someone entirely was a lyric person or whatever. And maybe this was still when it was kind of combined. I don't know, but I do really like that part, like melodically and rhythmically. And then, yeah, you're right. The falsetto stuff is, is, is great. And they, another good point these guys do, you know, obviously I talk all the time about bands that do bridges really well. These guys do, do pre-choruses really well. And this is a good example of like, uh, they, this is a song that's got a good, I think the pre-chorus is probably better than the chorus. Yeah. Kyle, what are your thoughts? I completely agree. The pre-chorus kicks, butt, got that written down and I love the, uh, syncopation of the, of the lyrics and the, uh, and the music part going on there. Like, yeah, rocks it's very cool. um but i also i also wrote this is another one for me that like you know it it doesn't feel new and different like like there are other stuff 
to me, like this is like a, 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 this is a starting line B side track for me. So. When did, uh, when did starting lines first record come out? Is that 2002? Uh, it's around the same time, right? Let's see. I'll tell you. Let's look that up just for the sake. Uh, we'll, we'll look that up. We'll, we'll play Chicago. So, so two years ago, let's do that first. Here we go. And you can look that up. The only thing you get is this curse on your lips. I hope they taste of me forever. There's a light on in Chicago. And I know I should be home. And all the colors of the street signs, they remind me of the pickup truck out in front of your neighbors. No idea how until last week I didn't realize that's Justin Pierre singing the other vocal on the song. And I'm a huge Motion City soundtrack fan, but I, I just never I like all of a sudden I literally like as I was listening to this ring and I was like, that is Justin Pierre for sure. Yeah. And sure enough I look it up and it's him. And I don't know how it never clicked that that was him. Um and it makes sense, obviously. They're both Midwest bands and uh kind of a cool thing. And obviously we talked about Motion City soundtrack. Patrick Stump's on their record, and Justin's on on the Fall Out Boy record. So good. Well, good. Motion City was the band, like the band's band. Like everybody oh, yeah. in a band loved Motion City soundtrack. Yeah. So I, I'm sure everybody wanted Justin to sing on their record. But I'm with you, Blake. I did not realize that until I was until like this, this week. week. Too. I was like, I didn't the know second that. I heard very, it, I was he's like, he's got a very distinct voice. Like he does. it's not something yeah. it should be easy to pick up on. You you would think, uh, Kyle. What are your thoughts on the song? Um, so real quickly, I do want to say, starting yeah, lines EP out? was two thousand and one. Say it like okay. you mean it was two thousand and two. So we had quite a bit of starting line music. Okay, right before this record, and it was yeah, so close. De- you know what I mean? Like that. I oh, think I that's definitely. why. I think that's why it was just so fresh in my mind at the time. Like I already have a starting line, guys. I don't need you. But all that being said, uh, I feel. I, I personally feel like we're through a little lull on this record and this song freaking rocks. And the fact that you've got Justin on it is the icing on the cake. So Chris, what are your thoughts? Uh, this song was like, apparently Patrick's baby. Like he, he, he was working on this song privately. Didn't know fallout boy was going to work out. This was one he was kind of keeping to himself and, the producer heard him playing it like in the lobby of the studio. I was like, you should play this for the guys. And apparently he didn't want to, cause he didn't want Pete to. <laughs> Pete's going to change the words. <laughs> He's going to change all the lyrics. I don't know if you guys know this. Pete uh, is the head. Lyricist Wait, of he writes boys, lyrics so. for this man. He I does. No idea. He's, he's an important the bassist? part of the process. The bassist. I know it's crazy. The handsome bassist. Anyway, um, the, uh, uh, the, I feel like you, you can tell this is that this is what the, his song that he's proud of because Man, this is another song. Saturday obviously shows off uh, his pipes, but this was another one where you really just feel like the soul in his voice and everything. Um, and the bridge is just great. And yeah, like I said, I never noticed it was Justin Pierre before um, this week. That's so weird. Yeah, but um, like, yeah, he's basically singing that whole sort of yeah. B chorus thing I'm talking about. It's like that whole thing that Justin sings isn't in the song before it or after it. And it's like, but that bridge is like a whole minute of the song or something. Right. So it's right. not it's a, a normal bridge. It's like a whole chunk. And then we go back to the chorus. And I, I think it's super cool that they do that. Um, I guess that's, we all 
gave our thoughts on that. We like it. Uh, I agree. I think I don't feel the lull. I think that you guys do as much. I feel like I'm more into those, uh, tracks five and six than you all are. But, um, but this song is definitely awesome. And I love that bridge it's bridge and second chorus, whatever we want to call these different parts of the song. Cause they're not quite a normal bridge, but I like going down there. They did a good job of being dynamic and being punk rock pop punk. Yes. I feel like, I feel like, Newfound Glory is less so. They're kind of like fast all the time or mm-hmm. uh, starting line even on their first on the first record. record yeah, is right. more like going all the time. And there's not a lot of like, you know, you might go to halftime to change the feel up, but it's not like you're going to just the bass or just the acoustic thing that we heard in in the last couple tracks. Some of that kind of stuff is is a little different. And I think that is because they weren't like a, pop punk band that felt like they had to like be in the confines of some sort of rules. I think that if Chris and I were making this record at that time and we're so into being a pop punk band that like, we're probably like, Oh, we can't put an acoustic guitar on here or, Oh, we can't do this. You know, I feel like we'd be way more in our heads about what was going on. Uh, than if we were, you know, writing, um, well, we've done that a couple times. Like we're, we like the three of us have gotten together and writing a song yes. and we can write a pop song like that. But if we had to write a song, we were like a pop punk song. It might take us longer because we care more about that or feel like we have to have some sort of identity in that. And I feel like that's where this album kind of shines is that it doesn't fall exactly into it. I agree, Kyle. There's nothing super special about what's going on. It's not like, um, it's not like the say anything record where right. you're just like, Holy crap, this is different than anything I've heard before. It's like familiar enough, but it's got the stuff that makes you interested in it. It didn't sound like every other pop punk record I had at the time. Yeah. And I liked all those records too. I'm not dogging on them either. So, uh, let's go to the pros and cons of breathing. My pen is the barrel of the gun. Remind me what side you should be on. Chris, what are your thoughts on the pros and cons of breathing other than you probably actually like breathing, but I'm a huge fan of it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, one of my favorite things to do. I do it all the time. Even when I'm sleeping Two two thumbs up for breathing. Holy moly. Guitar riffs all over the place. They haven't really, you know, he hadn't, Joe hadn't really pulled, pulled out you know, all the riffs and then he just pulls them all out in this song. This song we were, we were just talking about whatever we call that. I called it a chorus B section. I don't think that's technically correct, but that's what I'm calling it. I'm kind of calling um, it that too. Yeah. But the chorus of this song is one where I'm like, okay, this whole lyric thing that experiment, it, it failed on this chorus. I didn't like it. I but agree. then the B section thing I'm happens so glad. and I love it. <laughs> so. I'm so glad you said that, Chris, because I felt the same thing. This really feels like one where Pete had lyrics written and then Patrick tried to fit them into a thing. Cause you can tell there's a couple of things where he just puts a random ah in there or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. And it doesn't, yeah. you know, it's like trying whoa. to make it stretch. Yeah. yeah. There's some of it where it's like just woes and ahs and it's like, but then that the B section the is, is like right on the money, man. Yeah, so you almost so that's where sometimes there are some things like that where you can hear that it's like trying to squeeze this in to the line or whatever. And I I had the same note, so that's pretty funny that you said that. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on the 
on pros and cons of breathing. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that this this one, like some of the lyrics are a little weird, but also uh, I really like Patrick's voice on this one. And so, you know, I think it's cool. It's a good one. I think the other interesting thing about this song, and I think I, re- I actually put meh kind of next to this song. I yeah. don't actually like it very much. And it's because it feels like like they don't very often uh, on a chorus have like repeat it like they did on this one. They literally just say the same lyrics, same melody twice in a row, and they just don't do that very often. So to me, it even sounds like they weren't putting a lot of effort in this song. Um, but I could be wrong about that. Maybe they loved it, but it feels this feels like the middle of the album song for me. It's kind of just like there, but it doesn't, I don't feel like it had to be. Um, maybe that's unfair, but let's go to Grenade Jumper. appropriate to go to our Chris uh, on this song first. So Chris, what are your thoughts on Grenade Jumper? I just appreciated these guys like handing it out to me for being one of their first fans. Yeah. It's nice to write this song just about me. Uh, no, dude, I, I always thought this song was cool. Obviously, it stuck out like a sore thumb the first time I heard it. You know, I was like looking around the room. Uh, Chris, huh? isn't, Chris isn't a like obscure name, but no. you know, it's also not like John you know, it's so, you know, there's not a lot of songs with my name in it. Um, so I, I thought that part was cool. And then like after like kind of like listening to lyrics, I was like, I think this song might be like a shout out to one of their fans. And I thought that was so freaking sweet. It well, made me like fall in love with these guys. I'm going to uh, ruin it for you. No. <laughs> oh, no. Can I go? Uh, can I go before you ruin it? Yes, you can, go. Yes, you go first, Kyle. Pre-ruined. What are your thoughts on the song before I just destroy this song? Because you before you destroy it, I have to agree with my birthday buddy. Like for I like this, my arms were crossed at the beginning. I started to let them down and let my guard down as this record went along. And this did it for me. Like I was like, that is the nicest freaking thing that a band could ever do for anyone. That is so sweet. That is just so nice. I'm a fallout boy fan. And that was it. Until today when Blake. So tell me, tell me, remind me why I hated them. Okay. So I have to say first, (laughs) I, it is also a thing I love about this song because there are just not enough songs about dudes professing their heterosexual love for other dudes. Mm. They just don't exist. Right. And there there should be more. Yeah. Uh, because this is a good example of you you feel you're know, like, oh gosh, that is how I feel about my guy friends or whatever. But uh bad news guys. So Chris was a guy in another band and I think they really did feel this way about him. But apparently <laughs> Pete Wentz was being Pete, Pete Wentz at some point. And uh I think I, from what I can gather, I will link it in the show notes. I'm not going to read most of this letter from this guy because I it would take me forever to edit all the, the language out of, oh. <laughs> out of it. And so, uh, but I'll link it in the show notes. But basically, it sounds like what happened is that 
they were on tour together at some point, and Pete was maybe kind of like telling this guy's girlfriend that he was running around on him. He doesn't really ever say if that was actually happening or not, but he's not happy that Pete was doing such a thing. And it it sounds, I mean, he, at least coming from his side of view, I th- it sounds like Pete was trying to scam on his girlfriend and mm. was trying to make him. Anyway, I don't know what happened, but it is a very angry uh I don't know if it was like a Reddit thing or a blog or something that he put it on, but someone pasted it into Are you this, show Reddit this thing. And and so let's see. It's so it's an open letter to Pete Wentz. It takes a lot to make me mad. It takes even more to infuriate me. And then he just goes on this whole thing and he's like, uh, you know, and it's 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 brutal. It's <laughs> Does he say that he wouldn't piss to put him out? Uh he doesn't say such a thing, but he does just call him like I mean, and I guess this is probably written you know, after a while and he just like rags on him for the straight edge tattoo he's got and his crew and calls him a fake friend and how he just, everything that he does is planned and every move on stage is calculated. And it's just, I mean, he just like annihilates him in this post. So Chris does not return the love apparently uh, on this song anymore. And, uh, and he calls them out for even singing that on stage when he, when he knows such a thing. So anyway, Sorry to ruin it, but apparently they did they did feel this way about each other at one point, but mm. no longer. So, um wow. bummer for bummer for I guess all involved, but uh again, man, ladies are a common problem <laughs> when we talk yeah. about these things. It's like, "Hey, all you got to do is not uh try to hit on some dude's girlfriend." Yep. That's basically the best thing you can do to keep peace between your your internal band and other bands. You know, no one likes their girlfriend getting hit on by another guy. Well, it's, that, a, it's an easy way to be a good friend. Right. The, the title of that song is about that. Maybe I shouldn't talk about that. What, Grenade Jumper? Yeah. What it, is it? <laughs> Like about, it's a reference oh. to the guys, like when they wanted to, when they needed a place oh. to crash, the, the guy who would like, you know. Right get with the girl to like <laughs> to have a place to sleep <laughs> grenade jumper oh, I was like that's really funny <laughs> I don't if, if you guys don't know when you're on the road um but it's 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 hotels are like really really expensive it's really hard like to make enough money to barely get to town so you're always trying to scam people to stay at their houses um, our our process was a little different in our band. Yeah, we just, we, we, we would just make friends with people, but apparently these guys had a, had another gig going on. In in professional baseball, that's known as Mark McGuireing someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be totally clear, there was no grenade jumping in Chris and I's band. Not that our wives are going to ever listen to this podcast, but just in case, uh, there's none of that. It was just. <laughs> Steve and Danny would just hang out and drink with other people and we'd go to bed. So that's how we, that's how we did it. Uh, okay. Well, it was our system and it worked. <laughs> it was a good system. Uh, often we ended up sleeping in the van though. Maybe we weren't doing it the right way. So, uh, all right, let's go to calm before the storm. Calm before the storm set it off and the sun burned out tonight reception less warm set it on A 
again, you guys can guess what I don't like about this song. I'm like, okay, thanks, Screaming. Uh, other than that, Kyle, what were your thoughts on uh, Calm Before the Storm? I, I don't like this song. This is not doesn't do it for me. I tend to be with you a little bit on that. And it's huh. not just the screaming. It's just, yeah. it's okay. That's fine. Um, it's, uh, I think, one of three songs on the album where the lyrics are in the <laughs> the title of the song. Uh, so congrats to that, I guess. Chris, what are your thoughts on, on the song? Are you with Same. us or against us? Okay, I'm with, with us. you. Yeah, this was recorded, by the way, this was recorded on their album before. They re-recorded for this. Uh... Re-recording a song always means that you get the phoned-in feeling. And yep. that hung lyric, ugh. Yeah, hate it. Uh, it annoys me. It's right at the top of the song too. I'm just like pissed off the rest of the song. Is this yep. one of them? So from <laughs> what I understand, they did three songs of some sort, and then the whole island and the rest of the song thing happened. So is this one of those three that they've been working on, or is this like a? It was previously recorded, and they ended up. Recording there was an EP they had before this called like Fallout Boy goes out with your girlfriend or something like that. I, I don't have the title right. Sounds about were... sounds like Chris would agree that that <laughs> might. <laughs> Chris is like, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and so they recorded it for this, and so they redid it on this one. So it's not the original recording. Um, it's recorded in this session. But Here's a, a, here's a question unrelated to this specific song, but I feel like that happens all the time, that we feel like the second recording of a song is not as good. Is it because we heard the first one first? Is it like demo-itis, or is it because what you said, Chris, you can't quite capture that same thing again when you've already done it once? What do we think? Just a theory. Doesn't have to be. I don't think yeah. I don't think you can ever capture it again after recording it once and performing it a ton. But then you know you've got you know Creep by Radiohead, which they hated and had played a bunch and didn't want to record. And I, you know I think people are pretty fond of that song. I'm, I've heard on the radio every now and again. So I, I think I think <laughs> Taylor Swift's about to answer that question. Really? Yeah, she's like. I think she's about to re-record and re-release all of her back catalog. I bet it will be terrible. <sighs> Time we'll will tell. Out. That will be um, the answer, though. That will, that will be, be the an definitive answer. answer. That will be the definitive answer. <laughs> That'd be a great answer. But it depends what she tries to do, because if she tries to sound alike it, where it just sounds exactly like the other record, which I doubt she would do, but maybe. I'm curious. It's. I'm trying to think of... If there's a ba- if there's someone that did that successfully that I can think of off the top of my head that wasn't like, oh, but I'm doing it with an orchestra or something, you know what I mean? Something that was so right. different that it was like, oh, this is not, like a not new a thing reimagining, a re-recording. Because there are a few like I can think that what's that Joni Mitchell song? Um, I can't think of the title of it. It's the one about clouds and stuff like that. You know what I'm talking about? The mm. song about gosh. No anyway. Idea. I don't love the original one, but there's like like 25 years later, she did some like version of a bunch of her songs with like an orchestra and stuff, and it's like a way better version. And I'm like, okay, that's a song. I cannot think of the name of that song. Anyway, um, it's like one of her famous songs. Anyway, I thought the the second version 25 years later was actually better, but it wasn't like she was trying to re-record or capture the original thing. Um, I if you had Joni Mitchell on the uh, bingo card, congratulations. There you go. Um, probably not though. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll table that discussion for future yeah. episodes where we think that comes up. Cause I can think of a few bands that we'll probably do on this podcast where the second recording, I just, I don't like as much. And I don't know if it's because if it's in my head or like we talked about, is it something that they actually couldn't quite capture that lightning in the bottle again? We'll have to uh, do like a, a, a you know, a ta- a blind taste test where like we find 
someone that hasn't heard either one of them. And we play them in different orders, and you tell us which one's better. So what's weird is I can tell you, like, I don't know my answer for this question, but I do know for certain that when it comes to cover songs, I can't stand it when they play the cover song spot on like the original. I'm one hundred percent with you on that. And yeah. so, what's like, the point? Yeah, exactly. Like, what what is the point? I need you to bring your your you-ness to the yeah. What have you brought to this to the cover? Nothing. Um, yeah. So I'm with you. So I'm curious. I I need to I need to do a little research. I I like the question though, Blake. I like where your head's at. Well, and yeah, that brings up another weird phenomenon for me, which is every time I've ever heard a song that I really liked and then later found out it was a cover, I never liked the original as much. But mm. I'll never know how I felt to listen to the original first. Like uh, that that Black Crows song. Oh that's yeah, like, that's like when I hear the original, I'm like, oh, it's not as good as that. But is it because I heard it first, or you know, same thing with Jimmy World's version of uh, "Take Them As They Come." Take Them As They yeah. Come. Like when I heard Bruce's speech, I was like, meh, it's not as good as Jimmy at World. But I mean, <laughs> surely, uh, surely there's something in my brain that's making you know, yeah. But see, it that would stick mean the way that. I heard it first. See, but that's okay. I know we've gotten off on a tangent here, but I think what's interesting about that is that when it's a cover, I think that it does have a fresh perspective because it's still the first time they're doing it. You know what I mean? Sure. And so maybe that's why sometimes you like the cover better is because Mm -hmm. it does have this artist little thing in there. Whereas with, when it's like a band doing the same song they've already recorded one time before and trying to improve upon it, I think sometimes they can be too in their head or they're trying to recreate stuff that's hard to recreate. Um, so anyway, we might have to, uh, so if you've got, if you're listening to this and you've got some good examples of either one of those situations where a band, the second version's better, but like, or the first version's better or whatever, like I'd be curious to know if anyone else has opinions on that. And I, I'm going to try to look at some stuff too and see if I can't nail down a, a, a scientific consensus on this. Um, probably not. Uh, let's go to track 11, which is reinventing the wheel to run myself over. second of the forbidden beat in there chris for you uh not a lot of it but just a little bit chris what are your thoughts the new jersey vibes are strong with this song oh this is so i mean they uh, like being cool yeah I mean, they li- is... it's like they listen to shoulder of the wheel like let's just do that but we'll just do it a little different <laughs> <laughs> no this sounds a lot and it's, like and it's one of my favorite songs on the record because they no, did it good. really well it's <laughs> 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 so I'm not going to lie. Like I totally, and as a songwriter, like I've totally, you know, I, I can like relate to like, Oh, I want the vibes of this song. And then I write it and I'm like, Oh, I just wrote the song. again. <laughs> oh God. That's just <laughs> through being cool. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts? Um, I do like the song, but I am curious about who's going to take credit for these lyrics. In case you didn't know, he can't do it by himself guys. <laughs> uh, that. yeah that's <laughs> tricky is it is it him trying to be humble or is it him trying to tell patrick 
and make him sing the words that he can't do it by himself. Exactly. There's some psychology <laughs> involved here. Some, is it brilliant uh, or is it terrible? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I do like just a simple chorus like this. Yeah. I'm, I'm always into the like the simple lyric. Yeah. It, it, I am terrible at writing this kind of thing. I'm awful at it, but I'm so jealous of a song that has something like whatever Tom Petty free falling or, or this or something where it's just like, or blink one eighty two down. Yeah. Something like that. Honestly, anything like that where it's like, and, and, and it doesn't feel lazy. Like yeah. it doesn't, yeah. it feels like you're actually saying something like can't do it by myself over and over again is like, like it feels like, Oh, that's a common thing that I think a lot of people feel like, or, um, or yeah, down. I mean like you feel what that song is yeah. about with that very simple one, literally one lyric in that yeah. whole chorus or whatever. And, uh, and I feel like uh, that's, it's, it was not very common in a lot of punk rock stuff. Cause they're for the most part, fallout boy is cramming more lyrics than we've got space for in a lot of stuff, which is yeah. their style. And so it's, it's kind of fun to have a, I agree. It's a good, it's a good song. And I, I really like the chord progression on this song. I like that it changes. Obviously it would get oh, super repetitive. Cool, yeah. It would get really repetitive if it didn't change because the lyrics and the melody are doing the same thing. So I like that it starts walking down on that one chord progression. I really like it. I think it's a cool thing. And I think that that's another little thing that they're pretty good at is actually like just complicating the four chord pop punk structure enough. And that probably comes from the hardcore kind of background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a thing they bring in where it's a little more complicated on the guitars. Um, but not so much that they're... Like there are some bands that just go overboard. It's like you'd have to chart the thing out to be able to play along with it. I don't think they're that crazy, but some of these slight things that they're doing differently did add a different flavor than Starting Line and yeah, um, whatever Phoenix TX and Newfound Glory and some other ones like that. Maybe you're doing um, where it's a. L- and I'm not saying this is like crazy off the beaten path, but it's not as straightforward sometimes. Anyhow, let's go to the final track. Which is the patron saint of liars and fakes. Uh, track 12, here we go. I promise you we did not do this on purpose. And I don't know if you guys caught this. <laughs> of course we caught it. <laughs> okay, I was just making We sure. have ears. <laughs> uh, we did Taking Back San- Sunday, Tell Your Friends, on the last episode. And then we did this one. And in the playing through, I was like, holy crap, they ripped off that melody yeah. so bad that they should have been sued. I mean, yep. honestly. I mean, like, and will you tell your friends you've got your gun to my head is the exact same phrasing and melody <laughs> as, as that thing we just listened to. And it's shocking how how much it's ripped off. Um, and uh, I'm kind of surprised they didn't get sued, actually. <laughs> Maybe that just wasn't a thing happening with these indie bands back then. But you would have won that court case, I think. What are your I, thoughts on the song other than that, Chris? Oh, yeah, it's a decent song. I mean, um, you're right. That part kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. Uh yeah, you know, when you're hearing it. So I did have to listen to this one like three times in a row. I was like, oh no, just listen to the song, Chris. Don't listen at that part. 
Um, <laughs> it, don't listen to the hook of the chorus. Yeah. Well, don't like concentrate <laughs> on the fact that it's like so obviously, you know, similar to uh, you know, tell your friends. Um, so the one thing I read about this song, like it's a drop D song, and they were trying to give a uh, like a preemptive look at like the the way they wanted their sound to go for the next record. So the opening track of the next record is also in drop D. Um, interesting tidbit. Um, Good but, to know. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's really pushing pushing himself on on the um, the notes on this. You know, you could tell that he wrote it just at the top of his range, or maybe you could even say out of his range. I like that he challenged himself a little bit. Um, but then you got to sing goes, it live. Good luck. You know what I mean? That's the yeah, downside. Exactly. Exactly. So it's it's a decent song. Like it's really hard to get past like the similarities to uh, tell all your friends though when you're listening to it. That's all I can think about right now. I can't it believe will, no one. It caught will wake that. me in the dead of night. <laughs> I can't believe no one caught it. Like, there's just no way. I mean, it's the exact same melody and, and phrasing. Not even just the melody, but like, it's all, it's the same BPM. I'm pretty sure. Basically, <laughs> it's I mean, it's like everything about it. And you're right. It takes away. It's a pretty good song, and it's a it's. Yeah. I kind of like it as the last track too. But man, it is just like such a ripoff that I can't believe no one was like, hey. um but whatever. Kyle, what are your thoughts on, Dude, on the last track? I mean, you guys have both said it. Like, my note is tell all your friends nervous, awkward face emoji. Like, <laughs> what the heck? Like, here's the thing. Like, who got, who was on the committee? Who got fired from their, you know, inner <laughs> circle after this got released, you know, like, and I even, it is so similar, like on the phrasing and the melody, like I'm telling you the conversation happened, right? Like it guys, had to guys like this doesn't sound too much like this, does it? And like their friends that were like, no, like they were, I, kicked be- out of I the believe they could have recorded it before they realized it. Like, I, I know that happens, but I don't believe for a second it never got brought up before the record got released. I don't it's believe too, for one second one friend didn't catch it or it's too a manager close. or someone at freaking Fueled by Ramen. It's it's so similar, especially for I don't think Sean O'Keefe has done anything for at Victory at this point <laughs> yet. But if he had, and this is like the same thing, come, uh, bring up Tom Petty because you know when the Chili Peppers got sued by him for ripping off, uh, <laughs> ripping off the song, Tom Petty was like. Rick Rubin produced it. You're telling me he didn't remember <laughs> doing Mary Mary Jane's last dance and he didn't catch that? Yeah, <laughs> it's the exact same like phrasing and stuff. He was like, my gardener hurt, like noticed it and told me about it. You know, he was like, hey, that Chili Pepper song sounds a lot <laughs> like your song. He's like, come on, Rick. I mean, you had to have known that. It, it's um, too close for me to have like a my own opinion on this song. It's just yeah. like, ugh. Yikes. Yeah, I would have. That and I know it happens to people all the time where they accidentally rip something off. I know it happens. Of course I've it done does. It. It's totally but, yeah. It's a it's a it's a part of the process. You you just have good friends or a good producer around you. You go oh dude, that one already got written by. But <laughs> you know what I would <laughs> you know? do? You know what I would do? The second I could fix it is like all you have to do is change like one note. You know what I mean? Or change. You don't have to change a lot about a melody to make it not sound like the other melody at yeah. that point. Dude, you know that what they could have done? This band had so much hype around them. The way they could have fixed this is to call Taking Back Sunday and say, hey, guys, we just recorded this. We're going to give you a writing credit. Adam, come in the studio and sing Tell and all, sing all, your, friends all Your Friends over, over this on the outro. That's how and they could have fixed right. it. 
Yeah. Oh, that would have been cool. That would have been awesome. I would have been I would have been totally into it. Now maybe not as the final track on the record or something, but I would have been, been interesting that. to see if they if those bands could get together without sleeping with each other's girlfriends. <laughs> There's not a chance. <laughs> it's just so hard not to. We try. Just, We'd be in some know. sort of nuclear standoff with Russia somehow because of it. Like, whoa, wait, who's you, Putin's girlfriend? You slept with Putin's girlfriend? You two got together and I don't know. That's what I imagine would happen. Oh, uh, sweetie, this is a uh, uh, what was your name, sir? Peter, head lyricist. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I I agree. It's a bad. It's as bad a ripoff of as I've maybe ever heard on a record where I'm just like, oh my gosh, that is exact. And like, and in a way where I know they had to have heard the other song. I've heard I've heard stuff where like I hear it on the radio and I'm like, boy, that sure does sound a lot like this other song. But they probably don't listen to that obscure guy that I listened to. And it's probably a total, just, you know, they really had never heard it. So they didn't rip it off. But there are other times where I'm like, what was that Kelly Clarkson song from a couple years ago? That was like, that sounds a lot like the middle by Jimmy world. Uh, yep. I mean, it was, it was a lot like it. And I'm like, I don't believe that the people that wrote it hadn't heard the middle. I just yep. don't, I don't, I know that you had to have heard that song at that point. Um, so yeah, this is as bad of an example as I can think of someone, and they didn't just, just squeeze it in the middle of the record either. They were like, "Well, I guess it's the last track, and it's the thing we're gonna sing over and over in this song." And and I had just completely forgotten about it. And when I heard it again, I just very funny that we picked these albums back to back, and uh, and this one kind of ripped it off. Well, uh, with that, let's go to our lasting impressions. Chris, does it hold up? Yeah, and I didn't think it would. I feel the exact same way. I honestly was going into listening. I was going into listening to this because I hadn't in a long time, and I was like, "Man, what a freaking solid debut record!" Like, really, yeah. I can't. I even the faults on it, I'm like, I don't count as faults because, like, they're a band's first record. Like, I in no way am gonna hold the songs against them where I'm kind of like, ah, eh, filler. Most albums have filler songs on them, and they're still pretty good. You know. No, right. We we when we're discussing, the I'm album way harder on them a, than yeah. As a piece of artwork, and we're pointing out the songs that are the filler songs or the the lull. We're not saying uh, yeah. Uh, I never. I wouldn't even skip them. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's just it's just like you're you're rating the songs as different songs, and as human beings, it's what we do. We rate things. The whole internet is just a series of lists at this point, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so just just what happens naturally. But yeah, no. I, Kyle, what are your thoughts? Do you feel the same way? Does it hold up? Uh, totally. I, honestly, I think that I enjoy it now m- maybe more than I enjoyed it then. It's just because you've uncrushed your arms, you know? Yeah, you're right. I've let my guard down. You've let your guard down. You've got your arms, arms wide, wide open. Arms wide open, you might even <laughs> say. Like Scott Stapp. Yeah. Do you get two spots on the bingo card if we mention two different early 2000s? Well, Creed is definitely bands? a spot on the bingo card. <laughs> okay, good to know. Uh, yeah, I think that it song, definitely. Hey, that song gives me goosebumps, guys. I'm ne- I, it never won't. I hate <laughs> it, but I, I love it. I love to hate it. It was a good song, but I yeah, I, it's one of those things you have to hate. Hold your teeth together and sing, sing along. <laughs> Hold your teeth. Um, <laughs> sing like yeah, you're uh, pushing a poo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're all gonna uh, be on the same page on this one. Is it their best album, uh, Kyle? I feel like you're probably more versed in all of their albums than I am for sure. So where, where you land? No way, Jose, not even close. No way, Jose, yeah. what do you, well, let's, before we go there, Chris, do you think it's their best album? 
No. I don't either. No. But it's a very, very good debut album. Yeah, like, it no, is so much better than most people's debut albums. Um, if, you, if you played, if, you, if somebody, like, went, you know, just, like, woke up and had skipped the whole 2000s and you played, like, you know, one of their new newer records and then played this, it you, you would be hard to convince them it was the same band even. I mean, the singing Oh, yeah, the, the really yeah, newer they've stuff, evolved yeah. so much that it's, it's impossible to state that this would be their best record. Okay, so we all say it's not their best record. Kyle, what do you think is their best record? So my favorite, just because I, I like a lot on it, is probably, uh, I'm probably saying it wrong, but Folly Ado. Um, but also, dude, like, I remember... Uh, I remember not wanting to like um, save rock and roll when it came out. And that's the one where they kind of started getting much bigger production and like even like pop, pop influence production, like beats. And like they were getting on like, I don't know, Lego movie soundtrack. You know what I mean? Like kind of, it was almost like right after the hiatus, right? Yeah. It kind of, yes, exactly. And they were coming out. It was almost like they were coming after kids. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to put big beats and stuff in it. And I remember not wanting to like it and I still freaking love that record. So, um, I haven't listened to that one, so maybe I should. Oh man, it's good. I honestly, I I like everything that comes after this. So, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was right around this time where they, um, played on a Elton John. Yeah. It was before this. They played an Elton John, um, one of those homage records. I can't think of the word right now. Um, and did Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, I think. Or yep. no, was it Gray Seal? I can't remember what song. And then Elton John sings on that record that you were just talking about, yep. Save Rock and Roll, Kyle. Yep. And I remember hating them for that. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of baller, and it makes me angry too. Um, that that, and when Hinder got to open for Aerosmith, I was like, I hate you guys. Oh, <laughs> yeah. My dreams. That was, that's three. That's there three 2000s about rock bands. Oh, hey, there we go. Somebody got a bingo. Bingo. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know which one I like. I really didn't. Um, I did not. I have not listened to anything post the kind of hiatus thing with them. Um, but I, I really do like the next two records that come after this, and um, they're better than this one. But not like I said, this is a very solid freshman debut. Um, and I think that they did a fine job with it. I do notice on the other records, they tamp down Andy's playing a little bit, which sometimes is the right move. Uh, sometimes on this record, he is like everywhere all the time. And like, even that halftime thing, he plays it for half a second, (laughs) half a measure of, of, I mean, he's everywhere, but it is, it is perfect. No, no, it's great. Yeah. But it's sometimes too too much. much. You know, know, so like, and, and sometimes that's fine. Like, like we've talked about how, like, I felt like LP from yellow card was always really good about like filling in the right spots for the too much. And then chilling out sometimes. Andy does not, chill out but it's because he's a hardcore drummer and they don't chill out there is no there's no down chorus once again on w- once again music. but that w- you, to, to i can't believe i can't remember if it was you or kyle but we were kind of making the point like this was kind of like a side project and there was no rules yeah. they had no rules so yeah. there, there was no, no rule against a hardcore drummer being a hardcore drummer they were probably just like yeah yeah do a thousand fills we don't give a crap yep yep um yeah i really do those first three records though are real solid and i like the fourth one too but I don't know. I like the first three better. That's just me. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to doing some of those records later on at some point. So is it their most important album, Kyle? No, I don't think so. I I think that, I think that 
maybe you can make the argument that this gives them the attention or the influence to be able to make the next the next one. But man, I think it's going to take some convincing uh, to 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 get me to think that it's not uh, from under the cork tree. I mean, that's I think it's got to be that one. It's yeah. a, like those singles were so huge, and I really don't think that. Obviously, we have no way to actually know this, but I don't think the success of this record is what made that record what it is. I think it's just being a band for that much longer. Totally, I agree. And being completely. able to be like, oh, we kind of figured out what we are. Yeah. Like I think yep. in this one, they're like a little bit more. You know, you're just not there. I think they figured it out on From Under the Cork Tree. And so yep. that's why it's more important and popular. I mean, it's just like they, and I think the lyric thing becomes like a solidified thing where uh-huh. Pete's writing the lyrics and Patrick's just going, great, I'm just going to write songs then. I don't have to even think about that part. And I think that's what makes them a really good songwriting duo, which there are not, doesn't happen all the time. You yep. know, that like two guys can actually like do that where it's like we're co-writing all the time it's not like he writes a song and i write a song it's like this is a this is a method and it goes on to do that for a while and i think i feel like they really solidified that on the second one chris uh what do you think uh are you with us on from under the cork tree being the most important one yeah yeah no that's uh, but it's cool it's cool how this like was the preamble you know yeah yeah they, I, I i i like I like this record for them. I like what what they're all about. And it's endearing that they made such a great record. And then, uh, and then, you know, everything, the whole story played out exactly like it was supposed to. Then Island's like, okay, yeah, you guys are great. Everybody loves you. Yeah, I guess Here's we'll some, take a big pile of money. Let's sold. make another one. Uh, yeah, I'm going to guess they spent the budget on the next one. Uh, <laughs> just a guess. Um, all right, awards, Desert Island Songs, two or three of your favorites, Chris. Two or three of my favorites. I would have to say, so like I said, I, I love the the New Jersey song, um, uh, Reinventing the Wheel, and then Grenade Jumper, it's got my name in it, can't help it, and Saturday. You have to pick that, yeah. Kyle. Um, man, I'm, I'm just going to do a couple just because they are just freaking perfect for me. Uh, they're making my... They're making my uh, pop punk mixtape for sure, and it's uh, Grand Theft Autumn and Saturday. I just freaking love those songs. They're awesome. I'm going to go with uh, opening track. I really like it. Um, Saturday, and I think Gr- Grenade Jumper. I think I'm with you there too. I just, I'm sad that they don't still feel love for each other, but I want to believe in it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds weird. It's just not a common lyrical thread, and there should be more of it. So maybe, uh, Kyle, your next song you write should be a Dude Bro, I Love You yeah. song. So if you could work on that for us. Yeah, I will. Um, what about Nobody's Perfect? What's the worst song on the record? Do you have one, Chris? Uh you know, I didn't think about this question that hard. Like, you know, We kind of talked about there was kind of that lull in the record, um, but... I hate to say a tie. Like I said before, though, Calm Before the Storm, it feels like it doesn't quite fit right. It even feels like it was kind of produced different. This is the one they re-recorded. Hmm. Um, and uh, the, um, what was the song we talked about? Pros and Cons. Pros and Cons of Breathing. Yeah. yeah, that's the other one. Where the lyrics just, it's like, hey, okay, sure, I'll cram your lyrics into this, whatever. Yeah, I think so, those are kind of my two. I don't as well. hate them. I'm just saying no. I don't either. I wouldn't skip them like, even. So they're yeah. not like they're not like total stinkers. But if I like had to eliminate a song, 
It'd probably be one of those two. Kyle, yeah. what are yours? Or calm, you before, calm before the storm. That's it for okay. me. Yeah. yeah, I think it's one of those two for me too. Um, and then Grower Not a Shower. What's the song you didn't like at first but now love? Which they have a lyric about growing, not showing, sort of. They don't say it like we do, but um, anyway, Kyle. <laughs> How do they say about it, songs specifically? <laughs> about songs specifically, the 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 isn't the first track. What track is it about? The the songs you never liked at first. Yeah. Well, uh, I was. What's funny? Songs is you grow to me, like never stick at first. Yeah, for me, it's it's track number one, and 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 for different reasons. It was because I was I was resisting. I was trying to fight it, but like right now, it's That's a banger okay. for me. So I have albums like that too, where I could not get into the hype, and we talked about that on the Say Anything record like how it was just that that was my crossing arms mm. one for sure so chris do you have a uh grower not a shower I, I think uh grand theft autumn i know it's like a big single and one of their one of the biggest songs on this record for them but that acapella part like really bummed me out the first time i heard it so i just i, I just didn't get it but then as i liked the song more i like the acapella part more i think um mine might be homesick at space camp I feel like, like I said it's been a break. I've not I've not listened to this record in a long time, and yeah. I was kind of surprised how much I was like, "Man, why haven't I listened to this record in a while?" And I think it's because I just I feel like at some point I was like, "Oh, that was I didn't like that record as much as the next two that came," and so I think I kind of wrote it off at some point, and I think that was a mistake. But that was one of those songs where I was like, "Oh, this is actually." really good it's not just i mean i remembered saturday being good i remember the opening track being good i remember these songs but uh, i didn't remember this one specifically and i was like no i really like it and and i feel like i didn't used to think that the song that came after saturday was as good but now i realize it is so that's where i'm at on that um any other thoughts on the album before we wrap it up fellas or fallout boy or pete wentz or anything i mean you guys have any if either one of you have been skeezing on each other's wives or anything that we need to get out here in the open or nah. good. No, I mean, no, I don't know. That. I don't know that there's anything left to say. I feel like my voice is gone. We've talked a lot about this record. We have a lot yeah. to say. I feel like I should I feel like I should end it on a positive note though, because I started off so sassy towards Pete. Let's do it. I am a Pete Wentz fan. He Aww. won me over. So He won you over, okay. But Pete, write a song and, about Kyle. But initially, yeah, please do. Just don't skis on my woman. Yeah, um, just don't do that. That ain't gonna fly around here. <laughs> Not in these well, parts. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. And again, if you like what you hear here, please consider giving us a glowing review on iTunes. And of course, you can subscribe so the new episodes just show up on your phone. And speaking you of can... new episodes, next episode. Oh yeah. Speaking of next episode, we're gonna do Dashboard Confessional, the places you have come to fear the most. Uh, we're twenty something episodes into this and haven't done a Dashboard album, so Insta- feel instead like of song clips, time. we're just gonna sing every song a cappella, the three of us. Mm, yes. All of it. We're gonna play. <laughs> We're going to play it, but sing on top of it. So that all you can hear is that. That's how you do dashboard. I like that. That's yeah. how you do it. Uh, so that's the one we're going to do next. And, of course, you can send us comments, disagreements, or suggestions to info at Finding Emo Pod or at any of the social media networks at Finding Emo Pod. Uh, that's it for us. We'll catch you next time. Bye.